Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Bottled Up Podcast. It's been a while since we've had a driver on, and for various reasons, things just haven't worked out, but we've got it here today. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself here, my friend, and we can get started with a great 2020 season coming up for you. Yeah, my name's Andy Sice, and yeah, looking looking for big things next season. So you've done a lot of driving in the past all over the place, especially uh, wheel and modifieds, tour mods, southern tour mods. You've made a couple NASCAR, ARCA starts, and everything else. But I recall earlier this year you made your first start in the Cup Series with Rick Ware Racing, and there was a lot of people that almost seemed unhappy about it. And they said, who is this modified driver you know, showing up, taking the show, and you were you were fighting back on that. And so it, it seems like it's a common trend that people don't really give enough respect to the modified drivers. And, you know, maybe you and I are biased on it. I work at Stafford Motor Speedway, so I, I announce there and everything else. So maybe I'm a little biased there. You've driven them before, but it's, the talent carries over, and that seems to be showing now with a ride for 2020 with a brand new Xfinity Series team. So how did that deal come together? Well, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate um, basically just to be friends with Chris Hour and, you know, the friendship, you know, blossomed into a, a partnership in the owner and me running his ARCA team. And we grew it and, and things were going good. And we added equipment over the years and, you know, got real competitive. And then, um, the opportunity presented itself to run the Xfinity series this year, just by, uh, some, some good people to be associated with and kind of getting tipped off about some good equipment and that the people that, uh, you know, we're getting it from just kind of made a deal too good to be true with not just, you know, purchasing the stuff, but also the support they're giving us. So the stars aligned, you know, and I mean, in, in racing, a lot of it is the stars aligning and. So we're, we're pretty excited. It's going to be hard. We're, we're a small team. We, you know, we're not going to have 20 employees and four engineers and all that. But, um, you know, it, it's going to be a real grassroots level. But as you said, you know, uh, us modified guys from New England, we we know how to do it, you know, small buck and, and, and based on hard work and sweat. So we're looking forward to it. I, I imagine you are. And I, I've got to ask, where is this equipment coming from? One team that comes to mind as being recently disbanded and probably looking to sell equipment, uh, back when they were running with Kaz Grala would be Fury. And I know they have recently come into the modified side of things, and that's a whole that's a whole can of worms on what's a Fury, what's an LFR that we, uh, we can't get into on here purely for the sake of not alienating an entire half of our audience. But... Is that equipment uh, coming from Fury, these Xfinity cars that you're running? No, it's actually not coming from that camp. Um, they're coming from GMS, which um, okay. you know, is a powerhouse in the truck series and, you know, through their hat in the Xfinity series. But I guess they're going to focus back on the truck. So, you know, it, it's a situation for all brand new Hendrick cars this year. So that's big. You, you know, their technical alliance is big and, you know, things that we're not going to have, you know, in our shop, but we can lean on them for. So getting motors from Collins, which is all Hendrick based parts, um, just assembled by Jeff Collins. And he worked at Hendrick for years and years. So it's like a little satellite division. So the stuff's just really good stuff. You know, sometimes you, you buy equipment or you see stuff for sale and it's a team that's selling stuff, but obviously they're not going to sell their best stuff. So you got to watch out what you're buying, you know, they're going to keep their good stuff. Well, this is a situation where the team is, you know, all done. They're getting out. 
So everything's for sale. We got to go through and, and pick the cars we wanted and some great stuff with low time on it, just beautiful pieces. Um, so it, that was the big part of it. You know, it's, it's very exciting to be associated with GMS. I imagine so. Yeah, they've had they've had some success, certainly in the truck series, but uh, dip their like you said, dip their feet in the Xfinity series. And so, where do you see this going? Then is this going to be they're going to you know this uh, our motorsports? You're going to stay with them in the Xfinity series, or you know, like we mentioned, you made a start um, at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Actually, did pretty well. Finished twenty eighth up there in equipment that typically is. Not not through any fault of their own. This has been discussed a lot on the podcast that some teams are just, they don't have the equipment, the money, and everything else. So Rick Ware Racing, they typically run 33rd to 36th with their cars, and they put a lot of cars out there, which is definitely good. But finishing 28th in that equipment, do you see yourself moving up towards the cup level in the next couple of years, or is this sort of, I found my place in the Xfinity Series, and this is what I want to do? I mean, you know, who knows about the future? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Chris decides, okay, things go well. Let's let's give our hand a cup race. And I think that's everybody's goal, whether you're a driver or an owner, you know, is to keep moving up. And, uh, you know, that's always been my deal with myself, with my career, is as long as I was keep moving forward and not going backwards, you know, I'd, I'd keep digging. I, I didn't think it would last this long. I'm surprised my career hasn't gone backwards, kind of. Every once in a while, there'll be a lull, and you'll think, well, maybe this is it, you know? And then you get offered to go do a cup drive uh, race, and then you're next thing you know, we're building up an Xfinity car. So who knows about the future? You know, I don't, I don't worry about that so much. I know I'm incredibly fortunate to be in the situation I'm in, so I'm going to make the most of it. I'm not going to think about three years down the road. I'm not going to think about next month. I'm thinking about the next race and doing as absolute as best we can and make sure nothing's left undone. And, uh, you know, all my life, as long as you take care of today and maybe a little plan for tomorrow, but not too far in the future, you know, the, the weeks and months ahead will kind of take care of themselves as long as you're doing the best you can today. Absolutely. So now going and, and working with our motorsports, with the, which is just starting up, what dates do you have circled on the calendar? You know, you've run – um, probably tracks like Bristol and some of the Cup Series tracks that you'll be, well, not Cup Series, Xfinity Series, sorry, that you'll be going to now for next year. How much are you expecting to carry over from your time in a modified? How much knowledge, I guess, from there? And what dates are you most looking forward to? Because there's some tracks, you know, the super speedways where even the smaller teams, we saw it in the Cup Series with Spire Motorsports, they can go out there and win and be competitive. So what dates do you have that you're most excited for? You know, you, you kind of said it, the short track, just because of my history, is definitely huge and uh, big circles on our calendar. Um, you know, then there's the, just the tracks with the history, the Daytona, Darlington's, maybe Indianapolis, kind of our bucket list tracks. You know, I'd, I'd love to do those. But at the same time, you know, we, we do have to make some hard decisions as a business. Chris and I have agreed that I'm not going to be the only one in the car. If a, a veteran driver comes along at a tough track and kind of can help our team do better and and grow then then that's what we'll do you know so we wanted to get the word out early so we have plenty of time to make those decisions so i have no idea there's not a, a certain track that we've circled and said okay i'll definitely be in the car for this one um you know maybe loudon or something like that just because it's my home track and i do have experience there we could probably say you know all right i'll probably do that one but 
Um, you know, there's a lot of details that aren't chiseled in stone. You know, there's a lot of naysayers that want to say we're, you know, we're not even going to get to do this. We're going to pull out early. And that's just not true. We are committed to this deal. You know, one of the parts with GMS is we were able to acquire the points, too, with buying all the cars. So, you know, not that we're worried about speed or not getting in, but for a small team that's starting, we don't want to go to Daytona and qualify and get rained out because that's a you know possibility that's happened in the past. So, um, you know, we're, we're very committed to this. So we've got 30 weeks to to kind of fine tune it. And as long as every week we can progress and get better, which I, I have no doubt we can I think we'll be in good shape, you know, and. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the goals is just get better every week. And I'm sure as the year goes on, we'll be able to streamline our operation and getting better, getting a little bit more effective, you, you know, uh, not having to spend money in, you know, every part of the organization to just get better. That's the goal. Right. And that's, I mean, that's a pretty good way to look at it. I actually didn't realize that it wasn't a, uh, a full-time season. You guys were going to be looking at other drivers to come in so that's that's interesting and i think that's going to be i mean for for you that's probably a a tough pill to swallow where it's like oh man i you know you want to go out and run every single race but at the same time getting those veteran drivers in one might say oh if you do this or this is off in the car you know that could end up being better for you so are you looking to run the majority of the races is that's what's looking to pan out to be well, you, you know, again, I don't know. Uh, that'd be a good problem to have, I guess, if, right. if say, funded drivers are coming along and, and wanted to race the car. Then that means the business side's going to be doing better. Maybe we could run two cars. You know, if we sell every race, that'd be one thing. Then, of course, there's the races, like I said, that, you know, maybe not a funded driver, but a veteran driver that can then help us get better. You know, the truth is, sure, I could go out there, and run every race and, and beat on my chest. And that'd be great. But I don't want to have a first half a season like Cole Trickle and Days of Thunder and tear up cars and, and you know, <laughs> possibly put this race team out of business. So if I got to sit out two races to make that first race start be the third race of the year for me or what have it, but have the team in a better place and have me running better because of that help, then that kind of makes more sense to me, you know. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't have to be the guy that's the R and D guy. I want to get this team in order. That's the hat I'll be wearing at first. I am the, you know, in charge of running this team. So I have to make the best decisions. If, you know, you have two carburetors on the shelf, you're not going to leave the best one at home. So if we have a, a somebody we think is going to do a better job at first, yeah, we're going to, we're going to uh, probably use them. Hey, that's a, that's a pretty good analogy. And it's a, that's a great way to look at it realistically speaking yeah there might be you know somebody that can do this better than me at one point but that's that's not a uh a standpoint that you usually hear from drivers but it's probably a above average one i would say knowing i guess knowing and saying this is what's best for the team and i think that's what racing is all about is saying what's best for the team not how can i make the most glory for myself you know that's uh that's an interesting take and i i really respect that so well like i said for it to be around in a long time you know i i I gotta do what's best for this team i'm invested i mean we've run this team out of my house we've got a lot of equipment it's you know chris and i in a partnership so i don't want to do anything bad for him you know and i don't want to do anything bad for this team or any of the guys on it so i don't get me wrong i think i can wheel a race car and i think i can 
you know, get up on the wheel and run as good as these cars can run. But if somebody can help us get the cars in a better shape, you know, it, it uh, they can just feel things that it's just experience, you know, aero comes in so huge. So, you know, with my experience that I've had in, in ARCA and one cup start, there's things you need to feel and look for that are different than in the modifieds or where the majority of my experience is. So that's just something we're going to try to, uh, you know, just take the learning curve out of it. Right. And I, I want to, to circle back where I mentioned towards the beginning of the episode, there were people that were so shocked that a modified driver was going to be making one cup start. Um, I can only imagine the reactions. I haven't, I haven't seen much myself, but I can only imagine the reactions you might have gotten when you were, you know, saying we've, we're starting up an entire team now. So, in your opinion, from a driver's perspective, what is it that you think makes people not, I guess, see the modified tour as a legitimate NASCAR series? And I know that's a bit extreme, and not everyone that's a naysayer thinks that way. And you and I both know it's not. That's not true, and that you guys are out there wheeling race cars that are going faster at New Hampshire sometimes even. Um, what, what do you think it is, though, that people just aren't getting that you're trying to get out there? Um, you know, and they're just not exposed to it, which is, which is unfortunate. You know, there's a lot of ways to pay attention, but I guess if you, if you grew up in stock car country or somewhere that's, you know, not the Northeast primarily, and you weren't paying attention, then okay, you, you don't know what a modified is. And, but for people to jump and say, oh, well, that experience doesn't count or, you know, it's not real racing. Well, I'm sorry. The moment that comes out of your mouth, I give less about your opinion. I don't think you're an educated, you know, race fan. Um, so that's one of the neat things. And I've said it for years that the racing in the Northeast is uh, it's tougher than, than anywhere in the country. I, I really believe that the volunteer crews and the heart that's in those guys is just incredible. You don't have to be on a full-time team to be considered a racer, you know, and um, I, in South, I think if you want to be a car owner, you want to be a sponsor, you want to be on a team, sure, you go you go cup racing because it is a national sport, but it's based in the Southeast. And in the Northeast, if you want to be the, the baddest driver around and you want to show how good you are, well, I think on the asphalt, you have to do it on the wheel and modified tour. And, you know, the teams are, are incredibly uh, well-prepared, incredible depth in their pit stops and you know, that's making the difference in the teams up front. Now it's not just about having a fast race car. Yes, that's important. You got to have strategy. You got to have pit stops. There's so much to it and it's difficult. I mean, it's, it's not easy and that's what everybody aims for. So in the Northeast, we are spoiled to have the NASCAR modifieds. I feel bad for anybody that grew up, didn't have those around and didn't get to watch them. And somebody that says, well, that's not real racing. Well then, if you say that's not real racing, well, then you don't know what real racing is. That's I can't disagree with that. I, w I was lucky enough to spend last summer at Stafford Motor Speedway announcing down on pit road. Um, like you mentioned with the pit stops, those are crucial. Just ask Doug Kobe. Um, <laughs> but it's just you're right. You know, it's it's racing unlike anything else. For some reason, it doesn't get the national attention that it probably should. But. I mean, I think it's personally, personally, I think it's great that you're going out there and going further in the career and going up to the higher levels and not being afraid to say, no, I'm a modified driver and this is what we do. And I'm going to go out there and wheel race cars. So it's uh, I imagine you've got a lot of 
of the modified guys behind you, you know, letting you know, hey, this is awesome. But hopefully the fans will come around and realize, oh, okay, yeah, these guys are out there. They're sweating just as much as the Cup Series guys. They're racing just as hard. And when you go up to New Hampshire for the summer race, uh, there's a lot of people. The stands are just as full for the modified race than they are for the cup race. And in the you know the Musket 250 in the fall, those stands are, if not more, crowded than the cup race. Oh, absolutely. And anybody that's witnessed it, you know, they go up for the weekend. That's all you hear. And, um, you, you know, just talking to everybody. They're, they're there for the modified race. And a lot of people that just, just stay Saturday. You know, I mean, it's a great weekend of racing. And, uh, you know, the cup races are a little bit different, longer, um, you know, more of an endurance race, big strategies, all that, where the modified race is just action lap after lap. There's no holding back. Those guys don't save anything. And, um, you, you know, it's just great racing. So the drivers are incredible. And, you know, we've talked about it in the past. And, uh, you know, there is no doubt in my mind, you, you put a Doug Kobe, Justin Bonson, or any of those guys in any kind of race car. I mean, we don't even have to talk about you know, NASCAR cup cars, whether it be an Indy car or anything like that, they're going to do great. They're great race car drivers. They're not just great modified drivers. They'd be good anywhere they'd go. So it is kind of funny when people get uh, just kind of tunnel vision on the cup series and think that's where you got to be and all that. It's it's just not true. I mean, there's great racing everywhere in the country with their, their local favorites. And, you know, uh, that's why people come from all over, to even race modified you got people flying up from florida to race modifieds and you got people flying from california to race at uh stafford next year i hear i mean it's it's a big deal people want to be a part of it once they witness it absolutely sure there is uh not a doubt without not a doubt about it but i don't want to take up your whole afternoon it sounds like you've got a lot of you know work being done on the cars to make sure this team is the absolute best so i'm going to round this off with the same question we ask every driver every person that comes on the show here what was the first car that you ever had like your first personal car that you owned street legal <laughs> the first car i drove on the street was an s10 uh regular cab 2.2 four cylinder standard truck put a lot of miles on that hauled a lot of race car parts around but i owned a camaro uh before that i had a 67 camaro convertible um me and my father bought when I was 14 years old to restore it. And believe it or not, I mean, it was a lot of work, you know, for a teenage kid to take on. I never right. finished it. I sold it um, when I was 18. It was not done. And I had the most money I ever had in my life for three hours. <laughs> and I gave that all that money to Joey Caraccia, who was building our modified at the time um, for a race motor to, to rebuild it. And we went to win Nashville, Tennessee with our with our rocket hand boat number 70. And it was really a turning point in my career. It started to get me some attention, led to the rides that, you know, I'm known for. So that was the first car I did own. I owned a Camaro, but I never finished it. So the first car I drove on the street was an S10. Huh. No kidding. And that's that's a great story. <laughs> that's that is a racing story right there. You own the Camaro, you sell it, the most money you've ever had. Give it to an engine builder. Give me a good engine and go out and win it. That's that is one of the top stories on here. We've had we had Corey LaJoy. He had a an old Plymouth, and he had a Nintendo sixty four in the back. And he'd pick up girls by saying, "You want to go play Mario Kart?" So 
That's I don't know though. That's doesn't get much more modified racer than going and getting a brand new engine so that you can go win. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show here. Best of luck to you next season. Uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch again. And good. I mean, seriously, good luck. Um, this is awesome that another team is starting up. You've got some good equipment. And you've got a lot of momentum going forward. So we can't wait to watch it. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely.